0: Sun in Swahili is dedicated to all you beautiful people around the world. We say Jumbo! Jumbo. Jumbo. Well, hello and Greetings the Global Mission Podcast. My name is Richard Lewis, your host, as we discuss the issues of worldwide missions and the task of the Great Commission. A few weeks back, Ken, a friend of mine, called to ask me some questions about leadership. He had been asked to speak before some recently appointed missionaries and wanted some of my thoughts and opinions on the subject in his preparation for his teaching. Well, my first question to him was, are you talking to them as potential leaders, or are you talking about how they, as missionaries, will develop leaders? We talked for at least an hour, and because it seems to be a popular subject, I decided to share our discussion on this podcast. Let me start off by saying that I'm not a big fan of the subject of leadership. It's a trendy topic, and I weary with all the books and seminars and conferences on leadership. I hardly ever look at LinkedIn for all the leadership quotes that seems to be a daily activity of so many so-called leaders. American pastors seem to be enamored with the subject, as when they go overseas, they want to teach the nationals principles on leadership. Nevertheless, it's an important topic in spite of my aversion to it. In this podcast, I will discuss leadership as it relates to non-North Americans and how we, who are foreigners, need to understand that leadership is different in different parts of the world, and that it looks vastly different from our Western point of view. As with most of my discussions and teaching, I approach subjects from a cultural perspective as well as a biblical perspective. Whether the subject be about families, marriage, finances, or leadership, a person cannot overlay their cultural model on a different cultural setting. And this, to me, is one of the dangers of leadership seminars or lectures. I will unpack this later, but my friend Sherwood Lingenfelter, in his book Leading Cross-Culturally, states that all of us have what he calls a default leadership habit. Within our cultures, we behave in a certain way, and by default, we both operate and expect others to follow our default leadership principles. And as I told Ken in our phone conversation, missionaries need to be aware of the cultures they are going to and understand their definition of leadership and default leadership habits before they begin trying to teach others how to lead. Now, I'd like for you to get a piece of paper, either now or when you listen to this again later on. Get a piece of paper and a pen, as you will need to make a diagram for this study. There are four basic cultural structures in the world. So, as you begin to listen to this podcast, draw a square and draw, then draw a horizontal line down the center, and then draw a vertical line down the center, which will divide the square into four sections. The top left square, right, authority leadership. On the top right hand of the square, pin established leadership. The bottom right square, pencil in consensus leadership, And then the left-bottom square, right, influence leadership. Now, let's go back to the top-left square, authority leadership. This is probably the most common model in the West. Corporations have a CEO with a multi-level management team. I would guess that many churches still operate this way today, though the authority of the pastor varies. I was telling Ken that when I was growing up in an independent Baptist church many years ago, the pastor called all the shots. Yeah, there were deacons, but if they didn't vote the way the pastor dictated, they didn't last very long. Why did the church members follow that leadership structure? Well, it was part of the cultural environment of the 50s and early 60s. My dad worked for Goodyear making tires, and he had a line boss who managed that department and the people in it. Authority was respected, and people seldom questioned that authority. I will add that unions were very strong in those days, and grievances were channeled through those unions. The churches in Russia are very authoritarian, as well as some churches I know in India and Korea. In some of those cultures, the pastor determines how people dress and even who they can marry. Now, to the average American today, that seems intolerable, but again, some cultures and some people actually prefer leadership to tell them what to do and how to behave. Stalin was a tyrant, but people respected him even today because he was a strong leader. We in the church call that legalism today, which still works in some churches and denominations around the world. Again, the reason people follow that type of leadership is they feel comfortable allowing someone to tell them what to do and how to behave. There was a cultural shift in the West in leadership philosophy in the 60s and through the 70s, due primarily through the hippie movement, Watergate, Vietnam protests, and general mistrust of traditional authoritarian structures. As a result of this cultural revolution, the authoritarian model moved more towards the consensus model, which is on the bottom right square. In that structure, there is still a leader, but less authoritarian. Sometimes this cultural environment is referred to as a collectivist or egalitarian approach to leadership. Congregations in America find this more appealing today as they want to be more engaged and have a voice in the direction of the church. As a result, there are many congregations that are elder-led. This form of leadership structure is found in many tribal societies as well. There are elders in the community which direct social behavior within the community, but it is done by consensus of the group. And when I say consensus, it's not a 51% majority rule. Consensus means 70 to 80% agreement. I learned this lesson the hard way in Kenya. Kenyans take a long time in making decisions and moving to action. They have to discuss an issue ad infinitum until they reach a strong, overwhelming consensus. Actually, I quit going to their church business meetings in Kenya, as it seemed they just couldn't end the discussion and make a decision. If a foreigner is going to teach on leadership in that type of environment, he or she needs to understand that democratic majority rule is not a biblical principle. Now, if we move up to the top right quadrant, it is what we call the established leadership model. In places like India, where there is a caste system, it is the family structure which determines the decision-making. It is the father, the mother over the daughter-in-laws, the eldest son, or even the uncles that have the say over matters. Everyone knows their role and their position, and to go outside the boundaries of that structure is forbidden. The Indian church reflects this established leadership paradigm. The pastor rules, the workers in the church, often family members, have a position and it works its way up the chain of authority. I know of one seminary in Asia where no decision, no matter how small or how large, will not make, will not take a decision until the director gives its okay. Established leadership looked very much like authority leadership, but the lines of power lie in the family, the caste, the tribe system, more than the position or role like a CEO or a president of a company. After all, a CEO can be fired or replaced, but you can't fire the father or the head of the family. This type of leadership structure is found in many East Asian countries as well. The last leadership environment, the lower left square, is what I call influence leadership. Where the other three cultural environments has structure, the influence model has none or at least minimal. A cell group leader has virtually no authority within the group except to guide the proceedings. Consultants have influence, can make suggestions, but since they are not a part of the corporate structure, their suggestions are just that. They cannot mandate compliance. Non-formal influence leadership is in every social environment. In church, a person may not have a formal position, but because they are respected, their proposals or recommendations are given consideration. A person rises to influence in many ways depending on the criterion of the cultural norms. It could be education, age, experience, perhaps their prominent name in the community, or their wealth. Most Americans have influence when overseas because of their nationality and their affluence. This type of influence is, of course, pretty shallow, as after the conference is over, the nationals may or may not follow through on the recommendations of the foreigner. In all four cultural areas of leadership, there are some overlaps to be sure. But the main thing I want to bring out in this discussion is that you or my leadership default habits are not universal leadership principles. So whether you are a missionary developing leadership within the country you are working, or whether you are a foreigner conducting a leadership seminar, learn how the people see leadership before you launch out in your teaching. As there is no one approach culturally in leadership, there are also no one biblical example of leadership. Abraham was an established leader as he was head of the household and the clan. David, as king of course, was authoritarian. Moses' default leadership was also authoritarian. One could argue that the Lord Jesus was in line with influenced leadership. He didn't hold an official position, didn't come from a lineage of priests, and his instructions often contradicted the established Jewish teaching, especially of the Pharisees. Actually, the leadership of Peter, Paul, and the other apostles was more influence, and it wasn't until congregations became more structured that authoritarian and established leadership invaded the church. Ken asked me my opinion of the popular notion of servant leadership as it relates to culture. First of all, I think that the concept of servant leadership has evolved into more of a theoretical structure than a biblical principle. If you Google servant leadership, you will see graphs of the inverted top-down design. People often quote our Lord's words, whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. But that was his response to his disciples who were seeking prominence in the kingdom. Certainly the Lord modeled a servant heart, as he went on to say, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. It's my belief that the concept of servant leadership has more to do with attitude rather than style. One can be authoritarian leader and still serve those within his or her company, family, or church. Established leadership, which controls the extended family, business, or political apparatus, can certainly demonstrate compassion and provision for those under their authority. Consensus leadership, by definition, should guide the group to, as the Apostle Paul wrote uh, to the folks in Philippi, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interest of others. There are many other issues that need to be discussed as it relates to cross-cultural leadership, such as cultural qualifications, not just biblical qualifications. How is success measured in a different culture? Is efficiency the standard of a well-led business or church? And by the way, what is success dictated by the culture? Perhaps in a future podcast I will take on these issues, but for now here are some questions to ponder. First, if you are a missionary, what is your leadership style and is it compatible to the culture? do nationals follow your leadership and if so why the danger for all of us from the west is that people follow us because of our power and resources that we possess i do cringe sometimes when i see pictures of supposedly successful programs like orphanages and churches being built feeding programs etc knowing that without those resources, the successful work will come to an immediate halt. I go back to what I learned many years ago as it relates to the indigenous church planting. If the model is not infinitely reproducible, it will only last as long as the person of power and resources is present. Another question, this time for foreign pastors and teachers, Number one, have you studied the people of the culture before you give your seminar? Secondly, are you relying on your default leadership habits because they work in your culture, and are they truly biblical principles? Like cultures, leaders come in different sizes, personalities, and gifts. But don't forget that all of us are bound and dictated by our culture. And no matter the leadership style, our goal is to have an attitude of a servant, even if that leadership style is authoritarian, established consensus, or influence. Until next time, keep thinking, praying, and no matter what we do, that it will bring honor to our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. Kwaheri rafiki means goodbye friends Nyibo yumefusha, this is where the song ends No problem Hakuna So long friends, kwaheri ni rafiki God bless you, mungu wa wabariki No problem